welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. You know, every week I try to bring you someone that has a different experience than your own, because that's important. It's important that all of us are able to learn from one another, but every person's experience is different. Every father's experience is different, and the way that we father is different, and that's a good thing. Because every one of us brings something different to the table, and that means we can learn from each other. So this week, we got another great father that's joining us this week. Jim Young is joining us, and we're going to talk about not only his experience as a father, but also the experiences that he has had with his own kids in supporting them, advocating for them as they have gone through their lives. Jim, thanks so much for being here today. Chris, thank you so much for being on. My number one value in the world is being a great dad. So getting a chance to come on to a podcast and talk about being a dad of, of daughters as well as other children uh, is really, really just a pleasure. So thank you. It is my pleasure to have you here. I always love starting the show with an opportunity to be able to turn the clock back in time. And I know you've got three kids. So I want to turn that clock back I'm going to say 18 and a half, 19 years here. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I want to go back in time to that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Yeah, I remember the exact moment because my wife and I had decided to not find out the gender of our child until they were born. And at 39 weeks or 38 weeks, the baby breached. It was upside down. And we were planning the full natural childbirth and all of that. And we ended up having to go in for a C-section at seven o'clock in the morning on June 3rd. We knew exactly when our child was going to be born. And I'm not squeamish. So I was in the operating room and I watched them, you know, make the incision and all of that. And I saw a foot come out and I watched the rest of the body come out and it took me half a beat. And I said, it's a little girl. And that was the moment that I knew that I, I had a daughter in the world, my, my first daughter, which has an interesting story that we'll probably get into a little bit. But I was just so excited. I thought I wanted a son because I was a guy. I don't really know why. And I was so well matched as a first time dad with having a daughter. It was this most precious experience. I grew up, I was raised in a family with a single mom and with a sister and by my grandmother. So being around women and feminine energy has always been easy for me. And maybe that was helpful, but I was just thrilled. I was so excited to to finally be a dad. Now, as you just said, you went into it originally thinking you wanted a son, but you were well attuned to being a father to a daughter. And when I talk to dads, a lot of times there's some fear, fear in becoming a father just in general. Mm-hmm. But when you have a daughter, sometimes there's fears there too. Now, as you look at the the life that your children have had, and as you look at the the fears that have gone through your mind, what would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters? Oh, I had so much joy around them early on. I think it took me really until adolescent years. And girls, I think in our culture, get raised to be nice and to be quiet. And I started to see that my my oldest, who was always an introvert and a little bit socially awkward and shy, that there was some pain 
for her in social settings. And I was afraid that she would feel this sense of deep rejection, that she would have a lot of struggles in life and not be able to connect with friends and and be lonely. I think that's probably my biggest fear was that my kids would be rejected and, you know, have this sense of of loneliness or, you know, deal with things like depression, anxiety, which she has, you know, each of my kids have dealt with different things. But yeah, I think that would probably be the biggest fear. You know, you I guess I want to delve a little bit deeper into that because I know you said that you were concerned there about some of the the traits, some of the traits that your oldest was was showing in adolescence. And I know that that led you down a different path as well, that your child who was born biologically a female started to look at their own life to be able to identify who they were. And I guess for for you as a father, as you're looking at your child struggling in that way, let's first talk about what did you have to do to be able to support them and then to be able to understand and then get to that point of advocacy? Because I'm sure there was a process that you had to go through in some aspects as well. Yeah, I think the first signs of were earlier on where I could see my my daughter struggling socially in school, making friends, keeping friends, and just being uncomfortable. And over time, getting a little bit more comfortable in her skin, doing some therapy work. But then in high school, I noticed this shift where she started to connect more with with a different group of people. And she went outside the mainstream. And that felt good to her. And I was watching her navigate this change and a little bit curious and worrying like is she going to set herself up for being bullied because she's she's making some alternate choices and then eventually and that that all worked out well for her she found a good core group she got into some activities that were really fulfilling for her felt connected and she went off to college last fall and when she came back for Thanksgiving break she wasn't she anymore. Her name, she was using a different name, a masculine name instead of a feminine name, and they, them pronouns. And, and that to me, like the other stuff was relatively easy. It was hard to watch my child struggle a little to adapt and adjust. But then hitting this point where they revealed that their identity was different, that who they felt they were was not who I had called them or told them they were for 18 years. And that's been a an ongoing, you know, evolving challenge for me to, to, to adapt and adjust to that. So talk to me a little bit about that adaption, because I'm sure that there's an adaption period for you, for your partner, for the rest of your kids mm-hmm. to be able to get to that point of being able to see them for who they are, for see your child for who he is, and be able to help them to use the right pronouns, use the right names, and to allow your son to feel accepted for who he is. Well, and, and, I'll, and I'll just say, even though it's Will is their name now, uh, the pronouns they're using are they, them. And I asked about son or daughter. I, I said to them in, in, during the Christmas break when they were home, I said, I'm confused about how to refer to you because if I talk about my other, you know, about your siblings, I say my son or my daughter, but I don't know what to say. And and they said to me, well, you could just say child or your eldest. And I said, oh, well, that's really simple. Thank you. And we laughed about it. It's really, you know, we have a very strong, open relationship where we can talk about really anything. And we've had all the talks about 
sex and drugs and all the, you know, the real things in life. And I'm really grateful for that. And this is a different topic because it's about identity. And they've been so gracious with me in understanding that I'm not going to get it right and that I don't need to get it right. If I call them by their former name, if I call them by their current name, if I use either set of pronouns, it's okay. And it's helping me get past some, you know, some shame of I'm doing it wrong. I don't have any qualms at all. In fact, I'm so thrilled about their identity and them being so comfortable in who they are. And I see how lit up they are about this ease they're going through life with right now. In part, you know, just throw one other relevant detail in. My mother uh, spent 35 years in the closet and came back out in her 50s, you know, when I was in my early 30s. And so I, I understood how much her struggles around identity had created pain in her life. And to see my, my child dealing with identity reconciliation so early in life is just such a blessing to me. As your child has been working on their own identity development and they have come home as your friends, neighbors, others are, are seeing your child in a different way. They're meeting them for, I'm going to say the first time as the new identity that they have. How do you help those outsiders to your family to be able to bring them in, to help them to transition to understanding who your child is now? It's been relatively easy so far, I'll say, and in part because my child has wanted to not share this change with everybody yet. But there have been people, uh, especially in my, you know, in my local community, and I, I live in a community and I've got a self-selected group of friends that is fairly progressive. And so there's this wide acceptance for identity across the spectrum. And it's been great because it, as I think some of my, my good friends who know my my child well, they're, they're members of my improv troupe, and we can get into that in a minute about my improv experience with my kids. I think they could tell that I, there was something weird about how I was communicating about my child. And then finally, one day I, I let them know, I said, Hey, by the way, here's the deal. And they were like, Oh, that's cool. Great. So we should call them Will now. <laughs> there was just no question. They just said, Oh, okay. You know, this is, this is who they are. And that, that made it feel so much easier for me as well, that I could now start to be just in conversation and they, I could get it right or wrong and nobody cared. One thing that I want to ask you, especially before we get into improv, because I, I love improv and, and, I, and I love what you're doing with your kids with improv. So we're going to talk about that too. But one thing that I want to ask before we get off of this topic is there are dads that are out there who have a child that comes to them or is coming to them and are saying to them, I feel different than who I am. And these dads may or may not know what to do. They may or may not know what to say. What would you say to those dads? Love your child. <laughs> I mean, that's the simplest thing that I, I can always do is love my children for whatever they do and whoever they are. And and I think the other piece of that would be to get curious in a couple of ways. Get curious about what's going on for your child and, and ask them questions without projecting an answer that you want to hear. Just be open to say, what's going on? What is it like? How do you feel? How do you know? What do you know? What don't you know? Asking really curious questions. And I think the other part is being curious about ourselves. Like if we've got a negative reaction coming up that feels like, oh my God, that if, if anybody found out or whatever, like 
what's going on for you? Is there some sort of shame going on perhaps about if I am this person that has this child, what does it mean about me? I don't think there's a lot of good that can come from a negative feeling that's born out of shame. And, and we, you know, finding a resource to talk to, I've had some other parents that I I know I, I mentioned to you before we started taping a friend of mine who has a child who's transitioned multiple times in their identity. And it's been so great to be able to have a conversation with somebody else who knows a little bit more, who can understand and make me not feel alone with it and not make me feel weird or like I did something wrong because I didn't. And neither did you if if that's if you're listening and that's your situation. You just have a lovely child who's identified something different about themselves. So I said that we'd talk about improv and we will. And I one of the things that I really li- loved in in one of the things that I loved about our co- a conversation we had right before we started was the fact that Jim has taken the opportunity to be able to connect with his kids in a whole different way. And he talked about improv. And for those of you that don't know what improv is, I, I, I studied improv in college as a theater major, and it is a constant building. It's a building upon. So as, you know, if Jim and I were talking, we were doing an improv piece, if Jim's threw something out, so many times in life, we shut things down. We, we say no, we, or we change the subject. We don't just take what someone gives us and go with it. With improv, you have to. You have to take what someone gives you and you have to accept it and you have to move forward. And I think that all of us can learn something from that, especially when we think of improv in parenting. So Jim, tell me a little bit about what brought you into improv and how you are taking what you've learned from improv and incorporated it into yourself as a father. The best thing about my improv experience is that I followed my children into it. They led me and I went along. They were taking classes after school and improv and having such a great time with it. And I would go and I would watch the end of session performances that their teacher would run where I got to see them practicing this thing that they loved. And I would see them doing it at home, this creative sort of play that they engaged in. And then I checked out a class and I got totally hooked. And now it's part of our vernacular, it's part of our family operating system that we are all improvisers and all three of my kids are, as am I. And what it provides is this space where we accept each other. We accept what's going on right now. What's the reality of your situation? And how do I respond to that constructively? As you said, build on instead of shutting things down or even worse there's there's no which tells people clearly no and then there's this other middle space of yes but which is a no in a tuxedo as i've i've learned from one of my mentors versus yes and which is yes you want to go out on friday night and i need to know that you're going to be safe so can you tell me what's going on so you give a simple example so give me an example of how that works in your family, because I think that for some dads, they're going to be listening to this and saying, well, that sounds good in practice, but how does it actually work? So yeah. give me an example of how that's worked with, let's say, your other daughter. Sure. So my other daughter's 14 and making her way through middle school, and she's always been a more social kid than either her of her siblings. And when she has something that she wants to do, my default is yes. Like, so I want to get together with my friend and go downtown. And we live in a small city. It's not a 
you know, it's a very safe place in for the most part. But what I might be looking at in that situation is, okay, she's not really thinking about what's going on around her. She's not aware of time very much because she's 14. So, and I've got a schedule. I've got things, other things going on that she just doesn't even think about. So I could end up in this place of real frustration where I'm thinking about, well, at three o'clock, I got to be here. And if you're not responding, then this and that. And I could say no, or I could say yes, but you're going to need to. And she hears that as a no. So if I just yes and her and I say, yes, you can go downtown with your friend and I've got a call at three o'clock, so I'm not going to be available to pick you up if that's when you think of calling me to say, hey, dad, I need a ride. So how are you going to manage that? How are we going to come up with a solution for this? So instead of taking on all the responsibility for it as the parent, I engage her in it. And I say, yeah, great. What are we building together? It's a yes and conversation that I don't have to just take on all the responsibility and nor do I have to shut off her, her opportunity. Now, for a father that's never done this before... And maybe they have been more in the yes, but or the or the no situation in the past. Yeah. But they're hearing what you're saying, you know, in their minds, they're saying this sounds really great. Do you have ideas or thoughts on how you can start to incorporate this? Because I think when you start with no in mind or yes, but it's kind of programmed mm-hmm. and it becomes programmed. Yeah. And to break that programming and create a new paradigm, sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts on that? A couple. One is to start with low stakes. Start with chores around the house. Yes, you can not do the dishes tonight, like we've already agreed, and I'm going to need you to do this other thing instead. Making a consequence clear or a boundary clear so that it's not just this, oh, cool, now dad's always going to say yes, but having some teeth to it. I mean, our kids look to us for discipline. They look for something to push up against, and they're going to challenge us all the time. And it can sound risky to say, well, I'm going to always say yes. But yes and has an agreement built into it. It's not this one-way free pass. It's a yes, and this is also what needs to be true in order for it to work. And so making sure that you're clear on the back end of it, it doesn't stop at the yes, and it's the yes, and what else do you need? Because it's it's about matching up our needs, and then our, our wants then become negotiable from there. Now, I love these concepts because I think that it's something that any person can put into place. Now, I know that you've had some training on it, And Mm, not everybody uh, does have training on this. And I'm sure that it wasn't something that just happened overnight. So talk to me about the process that you had to go through to get to where you are today and what you had to change within yourself to be able to get there. Yeah, I've been doing improv training for, I think it's almost seven years now. I started in 2015 with a whim. I wanted to go take a class and have fun. And what I realized in doing all that training were all of these gifts that I could use in my parenting or in my workplace, in my relationships. So a lot of it was reprogramming. I had to unlearn a lot of the ways that I used to respond by default. And I had to look at like, was I comfortable with that? Was I getting the results that I wanted in my relationships? And the answer was no, I had to be really honest with myself. And then I could say, okay, well, what's another way to do it? I happen to stumble into improv. There are certainly other ways. Nonviolent communication is a, a field of study that you know can also have similar kinds of benefits. But I think it really starts with a mindset shift and being honest with yourself and assessing, is this situation working? And what's my role in it if it's not? What am I then willing to change? 
So true. And I think that all of us can learn from this. And and I think that there are things that we can do to better those relationships with our own children. I know we spent a lot of time on your oldest child. I want to talk about your youngest because I know that she's your other daughter. And I guess as you think about, you talked about that you've been able to have some really good conversations and build a strong relationship with your oldest. Talk to me about your youngest. What is it that you and your youngest love to share with one another? My youngest has always been the cuddler in the family. She's always been this really sweet, close, physically connected person. And one of the things that I've been exploring a lot over the last couple of years is intimacy and all the different ways that intimacy can be experienced. And we oftentimes hear that word and we think of one flavor of intimacy, sexual intimacy with a romantic partner. And there's so much more of a rich palette and physical intimacy. I get to enjoy physical intimacy with my daughter because she still lets me hug her and and she's still just about at that size where every once in a while I could pick her up and give her a piggyback ride or something like that. And I used to relish reading books with her in my lap. And and we also have intimacy around emotions. Like we, we have this ability to talk about how she's feeling, how she's doing so that we get, I get a sense of knowing what's going on in her life. And I feel safe to her because I don't judge what's going on if she's got a feeling or if she did something that maybe I would have chosen something different. It's it, We get to be open about those things. And, and I just, I love hearing about her life as she's exploring it. At, at 14, so many new things are starting to happen and getting excited about high school. And, and so I really just love hearing more about that. Now, I know that you went through a process of learning about intimacy and finding ways that you could connect in different ways. And are there things that you would encourage other dads to do to be able to find those same connections? Because not all men are good with building intimacy with others, let alone their significant others, but let alone their kids. So I think every father has to find that in themselves to be able to make those connections. But what would you recommend for men to do to be able to find those connections? I think the number one thing I would offer is to follow the path that has the most ease in it, the most joy in it. Like if you really love playing video games with your kids, with you know, with your daughter, and she happens to be a gamer, and you you are as well, there you there you have it. You already have the place to start, and it could just be sitting down playing Minecraft with your your kid is the thing that that starts to open up those conversations, and then taking the, the next small risk and to ask a an open-ended question that lets them show up in the space and ask them, hey, how are you feeling about your friends? Something that's not a yes-no answer that gives them the space to start to share a little bit more. And a not expect an answer would be another one, you know, in these conversations. I like to ask questions and know that my kids might not be ready to respond yet, but they know I care because I asked the question and it might be three weeks later, they come back to me in another conversation and they start to open up about it. And I've seen this happen with all of my kids. So, you know, find the place that you already connect and then start to let them know how much, what are the other ways that you care about them and make small offers and not worry if they don't respond right away. Now we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? That sounds like a great challenge. Let's go. In one word, what is fatherhood? Uh, Humility. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded in being a father to a daughter? 
When my oldest was 15, I took, I'll say, her down to a show in New York City, an immersive theater experience, and it started off going into this really dark set of like, kind of like a tunnel almost. And at 15 years old, she reached down and grabbed my hand and held my hand all the way through the dark tunnel. Now, if all three of your kids were here right now and I asked them, how would they describe you? as a dad? <laughs> I think they would probably use the word ridiculous. I think I would hope that they would use the word caring. And I would hope most of all that the word loving would come up. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? I'm really blessed to have taken risks myself to create relationships with a bunch of terrific men in my life. And I've really put it out there that I value them as dads. So I have a, an entire community of dads that I rely on from longtime friends to people that I've only that I've never actually met just through Zoom over the pandemic and that we talk about fatherhood together. Now, you've given a lot of different advice today, things that I know that people will be able to write down for a long time and be able to look back on and, and really gain a better insight into themselves, but also make them think. As we finish up today, what is one piece of advice that you'd like to give to all dads? I would have to say that kids come into this world wanting to enjoy life, to have fun, to be free. And as grown-ups, we get that beaten out of us. Let your kids be the hall pass to have more fun in your life and engage in that with them and see what opens up. If, if we take ourselves a little less seriously and let our kids lead the way, there's some pretty unexpected and amazing gifts that wait for us. Well, Jim, this has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time today and your honesty, your openness to be able to share not only your journey, but some of the journey of your kids as well. And if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where's, where's the best place for them to go? I'm self-employed. I've got a website. Uh, it's called thecenteredcoach.com. And that's the best place to find out any information about me uh, and contact me if you want to ask a question about being a dad or just geek out about whatever. As mentioned, Jim, thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a great day. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best.
dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.